hello, Kids Table listeners. This is Matt, and we are watching Cats Don't Dance from 1997. The summary is as follows. Danny, Scott Bakula, <laughs> an ambitious singing-dancing cat, goes to Hollywood and overcomes several obstacles to fulfill his dream of becoming a movie star. That's it. This spring, Turner Feature Animation introduces you to some new characters you'll love in a story that could only happen in the movies. It's about a cat named Danny. He's got a dream. He's going to Hollywood. Hollywood, where the streets are paved with gold. And he's ready to dance his way to the top. So join Danny. I guess we're going to be the only two cats on the ark, huh? Sawyer. So much for preserving the species. Tilly. I hear hippos are very, very big on Broadway. They're big everywhere, darling. Wooly. <laughs> and Pudge. Uh-oh. I'm busted. Along with all of their incredibly hilarious and entertaining new friends. And... Darla Dimple. Child star extraordinaire. I am an angel. And her faithful assistant, Max. Max! Yes, Miss Dimple. But what Danny doesn't know is she's the only star who can keep all his dreams from coming true. I hate animals! Especially that one! I got a dream in my heart. With new songs by Grammy Award winners Randy Newman and Natalie Cole. Nothing's gonna stop Nothing's gonna stop audiences everywhere from enjoying a brand new world of animated fun, excitement, and adventure. See you in the movies. Cats don't dance. Please, you kind of speechless. Don't it? <laughs> and record? Ladles and jelly spoons. <laughs> Welcome to the kids' table. I am your host, Matthew. And this is Kendra. And this is Raven. This is our guest. This is Ray. She is um, a friend of ours, and she got to choose the movie this week, which is Cats Don't Dance. From what year are we talking? Oh, 97. God. 97. Lack of research. Showing already. <laughs> Threadbare. Oh, yeah. Hey, I finished the movie this week, Matt. That's good. That's an improvement over last week. I watched uh, most of last week's movie, if you can call it that. I don't want to... No, 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 no. We're, oh, last week's movie was uh, Super Mario Brothers. Let's, ah. not, let's not muddy the waters with that. Like, <laughs> let's talk about Cats Don't Dance, which, off the top, well, thought it was very pleasant and good. I liked it. How are you this week, Matt? Uh, do, I'm great. Do you want to ask our guest, like, how <laughs> she is? <laughs> I'm fine, but thank you for asking. Uh, like, like give some background information on like and you are you are hailing all the way from where north carolina cool which is where the steel mill in mario brothers movie is located where they shot dino hatton isn't that neat um this is going so well oh matt has so much home training and why did you why did you choose this film Good cats question. don't dance Cats Don't Dance. It is a really awkward tale about integration, but I still find it endearing. I um, I was I, I've never seen the movie, but 
Kendra told me about it. Does it bear any resemblance to like a sort of cutesified cartoon version of Hollywood Shuffle? No. Okay. No. <laughs> Got that shut down. No. I would I would not make that comparison. I feel like the closest comparison of any movie I could make to this would be Zootopia, but I also haven't seen that one, so... Zootopia is... That feels like a good comparison. You yeah. think so? Yeah. This movie came out... I think this movie is, comes directly off of Space Jam, if yes. I'm not mistaken. It was Warner Brothers trying once again to uh, do this whole animation thing in a full-length form rather than having to go back to their serials, which were not going to work in 1997 anymore. I feel like these movies, like, this movie is up there with, like, um, I don't know, like, uh, Once Upon a Forest or whatever, Once Upon a Time in the Forest, or, yeah. like, like uh, it's just a movie that I saw probably once all the way through, and it's weirdly stuck with me, but um, this is also, this also got really mixed up with the movie Oliver in my head of just a cat. Just, right? Oh, Oliver and Company? Oliver and Company, yeah. Um, just a sort of a movie about a cat, but that's mm. all. Very different music stylings. <laughs> One has Billy Joel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One has Scott Bakula. <laughs> Scott Bakula. <laughs> and all the Scott Bakula fans. Who yes. apparently watched this movie just to hear his sweet, dulcet tones, his like nice, sexy voice. I was actually really surprised he could sing. No, I don't, I don't think, did he do the singing? Because they had, Matt, we'll look that up real quick. They had for Girl Cat, Jasmine Guy, um, Jasmine Guy did the speaking voice, and yes. then Natalie Cole, who sounds... Nothing like Jasmine Guy. Nothing. Right. Nothing. Also, Ashley Peldon played Darla Dimple, but then Lindsay Ridgway yeah. was... Dar- Looks like Scott Bakula is the sole credited voice of Danny. Oh. Good for him. Good Which job. Which is pretty good. Good job, Scott Bakula. And Quantum Leap. What can't this guy do? Be a Star Trek captain. Damn. <laughs> Sorry. Some people really like Enterprise. I've, I've never seen it. <laughs> yeah, you're alone. I mean, I saw a couple episodes, but... I mean, I don't I don't like any show where there's a white man named Trip without irony. Oh. Wow. Yeah. yeah. His name's Trip? Trip. What's his full name? Uh, that's just that's not Scott Bakula's character, but oh. there is a character named Trip. And he's not a rich douchebag? No, he is. Oh. But it's, like, they're not treating it. They're playing it straight? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. So, that was not a show for me. Anyway, um... This movie also cleaves what seems to be the Warner Brothers standard of a lean 75 minutes. I love a lean 75 minutes. Which is a pretty salt. Another reason why I think I liked it is because, yeah, it's just a really quick dose of cartoonage. Like, I feel like it'd be good to, like, sit your kids down and just, like, have them shut the fuck up for, like, 75 <laughs> minutes. And this is, like, going to do it. Was there anything your parents used to shut you the fuck up with? Um... Movies, not like yeah. Don't beatings. say don't wanna, if you if that's the case. It's just the switch. No, <laughs> Ray is black. She can say that. <laughs> you don't have to call C. Jumanji actually. Oh, because okay. I found it terrifying. Oh, hell yeah, those monkeys. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, okay. <laughs> shit. <laughs> no. Uh, so, what? Um. Anyway, do you want to go through the uh, the plot? Uh, yeah, I you mean, like there, doing that. There's not for this one. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward. It's like country rube comes to the country cat. Yeah, a country cat comes from Kokomo, and uh, to Hollywood to uh, chase his dreams, and yeah. he's all wide eyed and innocent and thinks he can do it in like three days. 
And then... I think it's a week. It's a week, to be fair to him. It is three days that he wants to do it in the Is it? Yeah, I think it's three days. Oh, okay. Never I'm sorry. I thought he had his, his little checklist had, like, all the days, but you're wrong. It I had, mean, like, you're it right. It had, like, right. six things on it, but it was over the course of three, three days, which oh. was, like, part of the joke. Right. But, like, I do agree with one criticism that I heard right away, which is that, um, like, I guess it kind of, it worked well for me. I guess you liked it. Um, but it's, it's all set with, like, references and in the style of 1930s, like, what, like, pre-code not pre-code, no. This was this would have been post-code. When did code happen? In the early 30s. It happened during the Dillinger era. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but like a lot of references and stuff that, I don't know, did you like them? Did you did it all go over your head? Like when you saw like Abbott and Costello? <laughs> and like, oh, <laughs> no, I didn't Abbott recognize and Abbott and Costello. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I thought the references were good and they were, you know, cheeky, fun, cute. It all had that sort of like Al... What is that guy's name? Hirschfeld, the character. Oh yeah, yeah. It had that like Al Hirschfeld kind of like look to it. Which At I that wondered. Times Square bar or whatever that place was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. I don't know if that was the case. Mm-hmm. No, um, for me, like when I saw, I saw this when I was younger because my mom like made me see it. <laughs> like she got very. I remember her. Being, this will be good for you. Like see this movie. Well, no, no. She got very excited like when it was coming out. I don't know. I think it's like more because um, Gene Kelly did the choreography. I'm doing quote marks around that because. I mean, yes, you have to have, like, storyboards for... Did they just, like, draw him doing dances? Like I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure, like, he sort of did some gentle movements, and then they, like... No, seriously, like, and yeah, then yeah, they yeah, sketched yeah. around it and made cats, or... <laughs> sketched around it, <laughs> made and cats. it was the form of Danny the cat. Yes! <laughs> um, but my mom... Whose waist, by the way, doesn't make sense. It's, like, an inch and a half thick, his waist. <laughs> What kind of guts are in there? It's all spine, it must be. Cat gut. Cat gut. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Cat gut banjo? Yeah. Uh, anyway, okay, so my mom like made me see it because she raised me on old MGM musicals. So like I grew up watching like the bandwagon and like singing in the rain, like all that shit. So when this came out, she was like, oh my gosh, it's MGM based and about segregation. We're going to watch this. And then we did. Right. So that's the big thing, though, is is that the animals are just, like, POC. Like, what's yes. going on? Yeah, so... It's not subtle. No. No. Um. <laughs> no, they... If you watch the movie, I mean, not even, like, that carefully, if you just watch the movie, you'll notice that n- there are no actual people people who are not white. Yeah. Yeah. All humans are white. Yeah. Ergo, the allegory sort of sticks. It's always awkward comparing animals and, like, actual people. Right? <laughs> yes. Or vampires or mutants or things that are dangerous. <laughs> yeah. A sort yeah. of innate threat that's trying to prove that it's, like, fun and comparable. Or, honestly, it's just, like, weird to compare humans to anything that are not human. Yes. Like, that, just, like, overall. That's why the Zootopia racial allegory is, like, weird. Because it's like, hmm, these minorities are predators. <laughs> like... That are dangerous and did hurt people. Right. Or other animals, I guess. Yeah. That one confuses me even more deeply, though. That one doesn't know what it's trying to do, because it does, like, several things with the metaphor, and it's like, what, what yeah. are you doing? It's interesting to hear you say that, only because, like, at every award show when they picked up their, like, best animated animated movie award, the producers seemed to think that they had very clearly accomplished their goals. Oh, I mean, I yeah. liked it a lot. They dusted their hands no, off and they, grabbed their award. No, they really did. They were like... We made this movie for every person who's ever felt oppressed. Like, at every show. Like, they clearly thought they had gotten their point across. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, like, my, 
Maybe you're a rabbit. Maybe you're <laughs> a fucking cheetah. Uh, <laughs> like, like, what are you talking about, dude? <laughs> my, my favorite thing to come out of Zootopia, sorry to extend this, is that image that go that's going around Tumblr. I think it's like a water buffalo or something, and he's just like super well dressed, and he's sitting on the train, and I think it's like the caption is like that one water buffalo who will treat you right. Yes, <laughs> I actually do know what you're talking about. <laughs> I've seen it several times. Max face. <laughs> To be fair, people want to fuck all the animals in that movie. Oh, like, I actually have a story about the first time I looked up a Cats Don't Dance band site. Oh my god, please oh, tell us. I mean, it must have just been him it and was, Sawyer, right? It was him and Sawyer. It was just mostly Sawyer, actually. <laughs> I mean, she's cute. <laughs> we talk about our animal crushes a lot on this podcast, just due to the nature of what we're doing here. Okay, but there's like, you can appreciate Robin Hood. But then yes. you, you don't draw, like, explicit fan art of Sawyer from Cats Don't Dance. That's when it gets weird. Why? <laughs> I would love for you to tell me why. <laughs> where, where does the line get crossed when you sexualize an anthropomorphic animal? Well, I don't have an answer for that. I feel like... Checking me. <laughs> <laughs> that happened a lot with... Tiny Toons Adventures too. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, that, that, That's yeah, weird. Minerva no, Mink, I think. Uh, oh, that like purple skunk thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Remember the purple skunk? Oh yeah. Who was like basically gonna rape the chicken? Yeah. We watched. Sorry, I should say we watched Tiny Toons Adventures: How I Spent My Summer Vacation, and an episode about like a year and a half ago that has never been released. <laughs> so wait, is Minerva Mink, if it's fuzzy, is she the inverse of Pepe Le Pew then? No, I think she's the same as Pepe Le Pew. She's just a woman. Yeah. So right. it makes her sexual advances like supposedly less creepy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, anyway. <laughs> Back to Cats Don't Dance. My, my issue with the whole, like, this movie is supposed to be taken as an allegory for racism in... in the 1930s classic Hollywood is my same issue with Zootopia in that like I have to at some point I think the question has to be asked why not just make re- movies about segregation for kids with real people yeah yeah like why not just do that I feel like there's a lot you could do with that and yet that's just too scary for stu- I don't know like maybe scary is not the right word but like I don't know they don't want to deal with actual racism when you can use metaphors animals right all the time Mm -hmm. i don't know maybe it just takes too clever a screenwriter to like make the same jokes that you can make in this movie in a movie with real people about real racism something you could do like on like an abc fan not abc family maybe disney like Mm -hmm. a 90s disney movie about segregation right well i think 90s disney movies about segregation were more likely to just ignore it altogether (laughs) and make Whoopi and victor garber have an asian son (laughs) We'll get there eventually, Matt. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to stay out of the way a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Matt's trying to keep his white maleness, like, far across the room. That's fair. I did see Get Out today. Yeah, we... You're lucky we're making eye contact with you after having seen that movie. Um, I just start stirring my whiskey (laughs) with a spoon. Please don't! (laughs) Please don't! (laughs) Um, Anyway, okay, so... Do you want to keep going through the, the, the plot plot? Yeah, sure. I okay. mean, right, like, like you're saying, like the allegory breaks down, just like, like I don't know, like, ever, like a little bit because it just seems weird. Like it seems like everyone's an animal, and like, yeah, there's no racial breakdown within the animal 
groups. No. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. no, there's no Latino animals. There's no Asian animals. There's not a, if you're just an animal and you're bad and right. not worth being on the stage. Right. It's really Could simplifying. It be a class thing. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> or a mixture. It's uh, really simplifying the problem. So this has that, like, that, like, so, like, you're supposed to be, Danny's the protagonist, he comes to Hollywood, um, it's like Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, or other movies that I haven't seen about people going to Hollywood on a bus mm-hmm. with a dream and a twinkle in their eye. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not quite La La Land, but there's some elements of La La Land in it. Do we no? have to talk about that movie? I actually <laughs> haven't seen it. No. <laughs> I was hoping you actually bring it up to, like... Evi- like oh. something from you guys, but no. Oh no, no, no! I mean, we can talk about like I think there is a place to talk about musicals, but I actually don't think that this the closest allegory to this would be La La Land. This is the I think Cats Don't Dance rests in more the um, we're putting on a show in the backyard like aspect of musicals, and there was like that was a genre of musical like that's the bandwagon, that's um. Summer Stock, that's Easter Parade. So I think that's Great. where this is coming from more than La La Land is more like I don't I don't know, it's not that though. It's not that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But yeah, anyway. Um yeah, yeah. But <laughs> he's 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 tap dancing around. He gets to Hollywood, he's tap dancing around. He annoys everybody who's no is like bitter and cynical and like destroys traffic or something i forget well he's his whole opening montage is just him like going through la like tap dancing tap dancing and <laughs> interrupting yes yeah and like destroying property and getting uh getting having ruining sawyer's commute before he meets her there's cute cameos from lots of celebrities Yes. Yeah. Including Abbott and Costello, like I said. I, I Betty Davis. Betty Davis. Mm-hmm. And Clark like, Gable. And Clark Gable. Yeah, yeah. The Betty Davis thing is fun just because I don't know if either of you are watching Feud right now. I'm going to start it soon. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Is it? It's so good. <laughs> I love it. I've seen the first five episodes, but it's I like... didn't know five were already out. That's okay. No, no, no. I got, I got screeners. Oh. Yeah. Oh, fancy. Yeah. Um, no, but it's it's fantastic. And if you like old Hollywood, you should be watching Feud right now because it's great. Um, so he like dances his way to his first audition, which he somehow knows exactly where it is and, and does it. Uh, and it's for Darla Dimple, the antagonist's uh, new feature film, Little Archangel, I think. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> which is a Noah's Ark story, which obviously needs animals. So it's like one of the times that like all the animals come out because it's the only time they're ever needed. And uh, yeah, does anyone else want to? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's hilarious. I love Darla Dimple. Clearly supposed to be based on Shirley Temple. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Makes me wonder, I like, kind of do wonder like what the children of that era were like, the child stars. I remember reading that they thought it was an unfair comparison to Shirley Temple because Shirley Temple was apparently very nice. But yeah, she's like, didn't she do like, I don't know, ambassador work or she something? She worked with the UN. Yeah. yeah. So, and this little girl's just a fucking nightmare. Yeah, she's hellish. <laughs> with, with big, I love her like weird fat legs that are like, <laughs> all squishy. And I love the cartoon physics in this movie because... Like, that's something that, like, Space Jam didn't even really do. Like, these cartoons felt more like Looney Tunes than mm-hmm. the actual Looney Tunes of, like, the last movie they made. Yeah. I don't know. I think it was a... It wasn't a completely accurate description of, like, what her... Of what a child's 
life would have been like in the studio system. Like, I don't, I know we meant, God, we mentioned You Must Remember This last time, Mm -hmm. but they have a really good series on, I forget which actress, but it like takes you through the way kids were basically mined through the MGM system. And like, they had like the most reg, like regimented days that like were on set, you were at school, like you saw the same people every day. The fact that she was like the only child stars. Darla, I mean, is strange. Yeah. I mean, they probably didn't feel like getting into the harsh realities of being essentially the property of a major studio, (laughs) and, like, your PR was so managed that, like, you were essentially an indentured servant with, like, a contract. Yeah. And you would probably die eventually from... Darla Dimple seemed parentless, which makes me have empathy for her, because I just filled that gap in with a parent, like, double parent death. (laughs) And, like, she was essentially, like, raised by Max, the big, scary, like, German, (laughs) uh, like, butler slash bodyguard guy. I love Max. I also love Max. Yeah, he was absolutely (laughs) the best. The the decision to make him never really open his mouth, but to just have his lips kind of curl and undulate around his gross teeth as he talked is so funny. It's a good direction. This movie's good. I like this movie. And his, like, unnatural height. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) His, like, introduction when Danny, like, fucks up the first shoot of Little Archangel is one of the best introductions to, like, your main antagonist that I've seen in a while. How does the kitty go? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Miss Dimple. What is that supposed to? It's not German. Feels close, but like just Russian. How does the key? What is that? Schwartz. It's Schwarzenegger. Yeah, isn't it, it sounds German. To so me. it's Austrian. Maybe yes. Yeah. Okay. We'll say it's Schwarzenegger. I'm gonna yeah. Canon. Uh, <laughs> it's now Max is Austrian. Great. Got it. Good. And he was formerly part of a, a strongman bodybuilding sort of circus troupe. And uh, was uh, hired to au pair in America and delivered Darla Dimple. I would watch that movie. And her mo- <laughs> Darla Dimple's mother died in childbirth. And uh, really sad, um, Darla's dad killed himself with a revolver. Um, but left a sizable fortune for Darla, who had dreams of being a starlet. And she sort of bought her way in. But through brute force, she's like a big name in, in 1930s animal Hollywood. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> That's just some on-the-fly fan fiction. Uh, you guys talk. <laughs> okay. Okay, so, um, Danny has his whole, like, his first whole extended dance number. Um, and I kept re- it was interesting when I, like, first started Googling trying to find this movie illegally. I ended up paying for it on YouTube. They got my money. Um, but when I was doing all of my Googling, I kept seeing, like, all these things pop up that was, like, oh, we can, like, comparing Danny to Fred Astaire. They're, like, it's a Fred Astaire type. Come to Hollywood. And as I'm watching the movie, having done no research, it was, like, I was watching it, I was, like, this Danny is not a Fred Astaire. Fred Astaire would have never in his entire life, like, dared to be so showy. Like, Fred Astaire was not, like, a cocky dancer. He was very, like, contained. His movements were very graceful. Everything was very purposeful, which is not to say that Gene Kelly was not a purposeful dancer, right. but he was a little bit more like wild and rambunctious. So when it, when I then found out that Gene Kelly choreographed this, 
it all made sense. Yeah. It all came came together. There was an awesome there's an awesome video of Fred Astaire though at 72 dancing. Oh, is it from That's Entertainment? Because he's had it, still had it. I think it could be, but man, yeah, it was so good. Yeah. That's Entertainment, the only time Fred and um, Gene ever danced together, aside from one clip from, I feel like it was Ziegfeld Follies or something. Mm-hmm. Somehow they never starred in a movie together. That's bizarre. It's It still bothers me. Is that what they're referencing, the Ziegfeld pic- pictures with Darla Dimple, do you think? Um, I don't think it would be Ziegfeld because Ziegfeld was very like the kaleidoscopic yeah. um, like imagery. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was supposed to be that. I think it was just this, your standard MGM um, spectacle musical. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I really liked the uh, agent guy. The bald agent. Oh yeah yeah. Yes. The fat guy who seemed like he kind of had a crush on Sawyer. But it was just like, nah, it was just flirtatious. But it looked a little lascivious. Like he would like chomp a cigar and like, like almost get handsy and then just sort of like shy away. But mostly because Sawyer was like good now at brushing that off. I always want to know how that works. What do you mean? <laughs> when a human decides that they want to sleep with a cat. Like in an animated feature. Hmm. Like in B, like in B movie, where the B has the crush on a woman. <laughs> oh. Right. But I've seen some, I've seen so much B movie fan fiction about this. Wait, please say more. <laughs> There's a lot on Tumblr actually, because B movie became a meme, and so people yeah. started writing B movie fanfic. There's B movie fanfic in the style of a Tumblr fanfic, so it's like you're a B, you were born for this. You like hurl your cigarette down to the ground, semicolon, like yada yada. Like, it's just like long fix dedicated to this. I don't. I don't like that that exists. It's like pseudo ironic, but kind of like very. But they're very serious. Passionate. But they they know too much about the movie. Right. Like, yeah. There's too like, much expertise there, and the fact that you're sitting there like writing in your Tumblr window, you're like writing B movie fan fiction. Yeah, I have B movie facts, but it's not about like it's not fan fiction. I just know that like Oprah was in it. That's weird. Oprah was in B movie. She played Judge Bumbleton. <laughs> I've never seen this movie. I just sort of have this, like, weird, like, Frankenstein monster vision of it through, like, random references. So I did know that the bee wanted to sleep with a human woman. Well, I knew that because our former guest, Katie McVeigh, the only reason I knew is because our former guest, Katie McVeigh, told us that. Yes. I've never seen this movie. They get together, I think. What? Like, she, like, doesn't get with her male partner, human partner. She gets with this bee. Does she really end up with a bee? Yeah. Tell us true. Does that, is that what happens in the movie? Yes, it is. The bee movie? Yes. They date? They start dating? They, there's, there's a relationship. They kiss on their mouth? I don't remember. <laughs> How does she not just eat him? <laughs> or, like, go into anaphylactic shock. The thing about bee movie that's really interesting is that they, there's such a really intense cast. Like, Larry <laughs> King Live is also in it as Bee Larry King. <laughs> yeah, but, like, other movies have fall into that idea. It's yeah. like Asia, the super group. We've watched a few of those. Where or like shark tail? A shark's tail? Oh, a shark's tail. Like just these like people bumbling over each other because there's so much like talent and it all sucks. I was... Is that the one with Will Smith? Yes. Yeah. It, yeah. And Martin Scorsese. Oh. Yes. <laughs> I was so excited for Shark's Tale. I really was. Like when it came out. Didn't it come out the same time as Finding Nemo? Did it? 
Yeah, I think it was one of those, like, they were like, oh, look, Weird, Ice yeah. Age, and this one came out. Oh. Finding like Nemo. Penguin movies or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Are there two? Oh, Happy Feet. Yeah. So in Cat's Day, he gets the part, and because he's a free spirit and thinks that you can do anything, and, you know, his spirit has been crushed. He's from a small town, you know, where, like, people, like, say hello to each other and, like, believe that they should do what they want, which is not true of a small town, by the way. That's not the impression. People leave those places because they're, like, you work at a, you know, in a field or something, or, like, you have to inherit a hardware store <laughs> uh oh, oh dear this isn't to put down any of that stuff why do you make me feel nervous like i've insulted a swat no whatever um i'm an elite we've just lost all of our trump voters <laughs> but <laughs> listeners we had so many of those uh so you know he thinks he can like improv some jazz scatting in the middle of darla dimple's big number her opening number and, uh... Which I actually kind of liked. It was good. I was and into Darla Dimple's opening number. I like all of Darla Dimple's numbers. Yeah, Darla Dimple's <laughs> got the best songs. Yeah. Scott Bakula, lending his apparently wonderful voice to the to the part. He was decent at scatting. Really? You want to say that? You, you want to go... He scat? has a decent voice. Didn't we just say he's, like... He has a really decent... I was not... For everyone else who needed a... St- oh, no, no, I'm not... Stand-in I'm not, I'm not arguing the, 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 the voice. I'm just arguing the decent at scatting. He wasn't terrible. Okay, fine. He hit the notes. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't go listen to him at a club. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't see him at a, laying on top of a piano in a smoky bar, like, <laughs> singing to me. I'd watch him in Quantum Leap. Because he's got to leap back to his own life. I've never seen an episode of that show. I love Quantum Leap. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. Matt and Sliders. I fucking love sliders. Sliders is the shit. Sliders did not age well. But oh, it, did it not? No, I oh, no. <laughs> Especially that weird Doctor Who tube that they go through. Oh, yeah, I remember that. It just kind of, like, wobbles across the TV screen. So, it yeah. goes poorly. Darla Dimple calls in Max. We get his sweet introduction mm-hmm. as a giant, lumbering, scary brick wall. Yeah, uh, a Frankenstein of sorts. Yeah, he's like a Frankenstein. Uh, and, uh... And he puts Danny in his fucking place. Yeah, to be fair, what the fuck is Danny thinking? Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, what is Danny thinking? You don't just come on to hot, like, you don't just, like, you're not an extra in, like, Julia Roberts' movie, mm-hmm. and then just kind of decide to, like, wave your arm in front of her. <laughs> stand your... in front of her as they're, like, lining up shots and stuff. I mean, yeah. this guy doesn't get how a movie works. No. I mean, I'm that first and foremost. Well, we clearly are supposed to sympathize with him, and it's just like, but you're fucking things up my dude like yeah <laughs> yeah like i see your enthusiasm and i like it right but, but chill yeah like bring it you back you did the like little embellishment on your meow you don't have to do a scat in front of darla dimple she is trying to shoot her movie right her but movie we're on her side i don't know why i'm on darla dimple's side <laughs> well she was being wronged i mean he just like kind of stepped in started <laughs> scatting <laughs> the wronging of darla dimple <laughs> listen <laughs> This fat little, like, piglet, candy-loving, honey-boo-boo, like... Oh, yeah, she is a honey-boo-boo! Oh, yeah. I like She that. really does have chubby thighs. Like, I didn't really think about it until you pointed it out. But no, but are... I love it. I love her animation. It's so good. That's the thing. Like, everyone... I thought everyone's animations were great. Yeah. The designs were a lot better. I, it looked kind of... It looked kind of weird in Space Jam, 
like it had a kind of I don't know how to describe it. I, I feel like they gave them more like exaggerated fluid motions in this movie. Mm-hmm. I well, like I think that. it's I think it's easier to make something better when you're not working off an original template. Template like with this, they could do whatever they wanted. Whereas with Space Jam, they were probably just trying to exaggerate, like be creative and exaggerate with what they could from classic templates that are over 50, 60 years old at that point. Sure. I think it had more to do with the fact that they were just like, fuck, Michael, okay, so Michael Jordan is, how does he get into Looney Tune land? (laughs) And it's like, he goes here, like, we're going to be asked to redraw this 80 times, so let's just not go crazy. I just feel like that's more what happened. Keep it simple. Yeah. I like Space Jam. I do too. Uh, It's not as good as the Mario Brothers movie. (laughs) Space Jam and Suicide Squad, for that matter better movies than super mario brothers this is a bridge we will never cross together uh anyway so yeah his dreams are shattered at this point we're like i feel like almost halfway through the movie yeah because it's again it claps along it's just it's almost done already also halfway through this podcast so do you want to take a quick break sure because we are halfway through this podcast at this point and then on the other side we'll wrap it well we won't wrap it up but we will continue with the plot of this movie. Cats don't dance. In Cats! case we went on so many tangents you forgot. Bye. Thanks. Bye. I've seen them come and I've seen them go. There's one thing that I know. You gotta give the people what they want or you'll wind up back in Kokomo. Uh, Indiana, Miss Dimple. Whatever. They like it big. They like it loud. Maybe a little bit jazzy sometimes. Mr. Pussycat, listen to me. You don't have to be good, but you had better be. Get hot, Miss Dimple. to bring us back and we learned some other stuff first of all big mention is the music was written by randy newman randy newman of you've got a friend in me right from toy story hot off toy story hot smoking hot dude you could still couldn't touch the dude at that point burn yourself um what is the one randy newman song that goes on forever there are so many (laughs) short people i don't know oh it's like shit you guys speak i'll think of it but we also, what was the other thing? Um, so originally the rights to this were like acquired in 1993 um, by Michael Jackson's production company. And it was originally going to be a mixture of live action and CGI, co-starring Michael Jackson, and apparently the Looney Tunes. So we were going to have another sort of v- version of Space Jam. But I, 
I would love to see Michael Jackson, like, voicing Danny. Like, I think that would be fun. I think that would be a really, like, good time. I think Michael Jackson would have had a better idea of, like, how, like, what to do with this. Yeah. Um, no, actually, it was just gonna be him, like, as the Michael Jordan figure. Oh, just... Oh, chilling in, like, cartoon yeah. 1930s world. Yes. So he's Lenny's coming hands. in... Wow, that actually would be interest more interesting given that in 1997 he looked the way he looked well this and was 1993 at least oh okay yeah okay. well that's when they acquired it so it would have been early 90s still that got off some scandals though so that i don't know how that would have we've touched played. we've touched michael jackson already hot off some he's one of these like not the worst <laughs> choice not the word choice he's just another one of these pop you know like uh, pop culture figures that just like looms in this decade you know he does he does and and we we have discussed him uh via free willy his best song yes yeah yes his best song of all time oh my god it's yeah but uh, yeah i would have i would have liked to see michael jackson voice this character or dance with this character or do whatever the fuck he was planning on doing uh choreography uh scored and it would have starred him as the michael jordan type. Oh, yeah that would have been good like uh oh shit what was his? so he would have come from kokomo indiana it's not clear if this if it would have been the same plot just yeah. that it was gonna well, be uh, looney tunes and then his choreography and music and him as a star i wonder how they segued to gene kelly i mean well okay Actually, that's a good, that's a fair question, considering that all of the bitten choreography that, oh, I don't want to say bitten, it wasn't bitten, inspired by choreography that Michael Jackson took from the MGM era came from Fred Astaire. Right. The more, like, contained footwork and, like... Well, literally straight from Smooth Criminal, like, he took that from um, the Girl Hunt Ballet and the Bandwagon. Okay, alright. Yeah. That's, like, a literal, if you watch them side by side, it's... The same thing. Well, not the, I mean, same thing, different eras, but it's clearly right, what yeah. he was going for. Tip of the hat. Yeah. So it's it's an interesting, yeah, it is interesting that they went from that to Gene Kelly. And lastly, Max is a reference to... Max von Meiling from the film Sunset Boulevard. Okay, so that's another reference that the kids are knowing and loving uh, <laughs> when they watch this movie. To be fair, like, I actually would have been the child that that reference was pointed to. I have loved Stephen Sondheim since I was, like, three. I had seen the Broadway show, I think, Cats. That's Andrew Lloyd Webber. I know, no, but, like, like, (laughs) I don't know. I'm really just connecting dots at this point. (laughs) Okay. Wait, were you not a a child Sondheim fan? No, I I didn't really like musicals because I associated them with the movies of the 1930s that I was bored to see on TV. Like, I like them now. Matt didn't like musicals, but Matt had the voice of an angel growing up. Matt, felt, Matt was, like, in his school musicals. Like, were you in Kiss Me Kate? Or No No Nanette? No No Nanette. <laughs> wow. All of, the, all, of the, <laughs> all of the stuff from the 20s that was, like, that didn't cost any money for my schools to put on because it was <laughs> lapsed. See, I wanted to be in the school musicals, but, like, I would audition for, like, Tallulah and Bugsy Malone, and they would politely listen to me, and then just be like, go to stage crew. <laughs> but it was always just, like, something funny happened on the way to the office, or, like, uh... The way uh, to the forum? Or the forum, and, or... or Jesus Christ! Relax! Uh... It's one of greats. <laughs> that actually was, like, probably cost my school a little bit more. But it was mostly obscure stuff, like, uh, my brother, uh, not me, was in... 
seven keys to bald pate like a another, wow. i think a murder mystery wow like that no one gave a shit about in the 1920s as well that cost zero dollars it we, did we did a lot of the kids versions of shows so we junior did like the, yeah junior we did into the woods junior that is a bad that's actually one of the particularly bad ones yeah <laughs> no see no it, it, Damn. It, it, i was the witch in no, that thank you we did no my middle school did into the woods junior and i remember like that's one where suddenly the three little pigs are part of it. Yes. And you're like, what the fuck? Where did they come from? It's not great. No. It is. And it is the one such a great show, and it's just like condensed into terribleness. Yeah. Well, it's because they take out, when you do Into the Woods with Kids, I don't know how familiar, Matt, you are. Not very. Okay. You have to remove the second act. This, it's just cut completely. Yeah. Because the second act of Into the Woods, like the whole point is fairy tales aren't real, life is hard, and it sucks, and people die. Oh, the thing that makes it a more of a piece of art than when you take it out yeah yes exactly exactly so they take it out when like eighth graders do it and they suddenly the little pig the three little <laughs> pigs are involved and you're like what the fuck is going i remember oh god I, I, anger from age 13 is like boiling back up inside me the point is that my i strictly watched like sci-fi channel almost entirely got my viewing tv viewing from the sci-fi channel as a kid i mean for the like the duration of the 90s and nickelodeon and cartoon network those so those were the three little like streams of entertainment that i was sort of consuming simultaneously i mean me too but my parents made sure that i was cultured mine mine did not (laughs) sorry and that tone Cultured. Getting again. a real taste of the Kendra and Matt relationship here. Kendra, just again, once again, she was riding horses on estate grounds. Some of us were eating our hamburger helper and watching Freakazoid. <laughs> I've actually never had hamburger helper. Okay, that's a revelation. <laughs> what side do you land on, Ray? <laughs> I was also watching Freakazoid and eating hamburger helper. Hell yeah. Okay. And I will say it's the better way to live. <laughs> Ray's mom is super fancy. Yeah, but I, I still had Hamburger Helper. I wouldn't turn my nose up at Hamburger Helper. Oh, it's I, good. I'm not saying I would turn my nose up at Hamburger Helper. I'm just saying I've, <laughs> I've never had it. So, Danny <laughs> has screwed the pooch, so to speak. And, uh... He is very deflated by his admonition. What is it? Admonishment. Whatever. Admonishment. Yes. Mm-hmm. There you go. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> oof. Guess who got a perfect score on the English section of the SATs, and guess who didn't? What wow. is this? <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> she said I had the brain of a child last episode. Okay, that is not what I said. Just listen to the audio. Um, I said your pleasure center hadn't. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what? You listen to the audio. That's what I said. I listened to it twice today because I fucking edited that episode today. <laughs> what? I didn't expect this movie to bring out this much. Uh, the tension right now. <laughs> Ray is sitting between the two of us. So, so Danny uh, is sad and his dreams are crushed. We met a little fat penguin named Pudge. As well. Pudge! Uh, yeah. I feel like that was... You should just say that. He's funny because he's a fat little penguin. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, that's the joke. It's the only um, movie that his voice actor, whose name I don't know, ever did. 
Yeah. Yeah. Why do you know that but not his name? Oh, because Pudge's character design, like, it just kind of looked like it was designed maybe to look like someone. So I thought maybe if I looked up who did the voice, like I would reckon, like maybe he was in the Little Rascals or something. Mm. It looked, he was designed like to look like a chubby child. His name's Matthew Har- Harried. Yeah, so I just, I thought if I looked him up, I'd be like, oh, he did more things and this is what he did, but. He's got that like nothing. sort of husky fat kid's voice. Yeah, he does. <laughs> no, totally, totally. Which is charming. Uh, but it's a shame if like, that's true, and then, like, they made a fat little penguin in the end. <laughs> the end no, I, I'm sure he paid for college and he, with this movie. Right. That cat's probably... not dance money. Yeah. And, and this movie did terribly. Yeah, also, yeah. <laughs> also, no, he didn't pay for college, because this movie cost $32 million to make and brought in, like, $3.9 million. Okay, we don't know how his agent negotiated for him on the front and the back end. But he was probably a husky child, so not very well. <laughs> but he, she is right, like, the... the the cost of the movie was $32 million, which is f- fair. Right. Whatever they made is just... Whatever they lost is just their own, right? Y- yeah? What? So the voice actors got paid already. Oh, yeah. The voice, that's yeah. what I'm saying. The voice actors got paid, but, like... And I'm sure they weren't, like, negotiating two big deals on the back end. Like, Merchandising rights. <laughs> I can't believe this movie did so poorly, though. Yeah, it did really badly. I know they were going to do a sequel, and a direct-to-video sequel, though, but still a sequel, and it is so poorly they didn't even do the direct-to-video sequel. What is the sequel to Cats Don't Dance? More dancing? Well, Cats they now keep but, dancing. Because remember at the end, they win the heart of L, uh, JB or LB Mam- LB Mammoth. LB yeah. Mammoth. The- Who's supposed to be Louis B. Mayer, in case you didn't. Ah, okay. I yeah. don't know any of these. This is my weakness. Oh, okay. Um, Louis B. Mayer is one of the heads of MGM. So... That's sort of the end, which you all knew because this movie doesn't really hit any sort of off-the-beaten-path kind of narrative moment. Uh, So yeah, the sequel would probably just be them, like, negotiating and navigating their first probably big movie, right? Except we see all their big... The cats apparently star in Singing in the Rain. Yeah. That's a way to rewrite history. (laughs) (laughs) Like... The cat star in Singing in the Rain. The goat that they befriend stars in Casablanca. Oh, uh, what is his name? Cranston Goat. <laughs> <laughs> Cranston Goat. I didn't realize well, I didn't catch that. There's a pretty fun, yeah. Well, we can talk about that because that's like the end sequence. Yeah, let's go through. So we haven't yet talked about the fact that um, Danny, once he fucks everything up, <laughs> He, well, he does. He fucks everything up. I'm just laughing because it's funny what you say. It's not that I'm criticizing you. It's just, a cat fucked up a musical. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Find the humor. Okay. I'm Listen, I'm sure Andrew Lloyd Webber would have an equally hard time in finding the humor with a cat fucking up a musical. Anyway. I don't know. I'm sorry. That was a... <laughs> I saw what you were trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't go well. <laughs> Anyway. It's the nadir of the film. <laughs> um, Danny, Danny fucks up, and he tries to make up for it, basically, by going to Darla Dimples directly at her pink Hollywood estate, yeah. where Max serves her breakfast, and she, like, slides down things and looks cute and, and, and perfect, and... It's the best, like, song portion, because Darla Dimple has the... T- basically the two best songs right yeah definitely because it, sure. it's the one where she basically sings to woo uh danny 
into a sense of security and like promises that she'll like set everything up. It's her poor unfortunate soul's number. Like she literally turns into Ursula. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Where she's solicitous and like sickly sweet in like a superficial way and then Danny leaves thinking he's negotiated something good for himself and then the same song like takes a minor key and like goes into like the fact that she's you know going to screw him over. Yeah. It's cool. It's really cool. The animation in that sequence is really great, actually. Yeah. I love it. Big and loud? Is that the... Big yes. And, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like the part where she's, like, stepping... Suddenly, da- backup dancers appear for her. Yeah. In her own... Home. In her home, and she's just, like, stepping down the uh, the heads of people yeah. as stairs. I love that. <laughs> it's great. She's, she's a fantastic villain. She deserved a franchise. Yeah, and the voice actress, I don't know if she kept working, but, like... She, she was an actress, and uh, she was in Quantum Leap, actually. Jeez, they just... <laughs> did they pull from Quantum Leap, or...? <laughs> she wasn't a regular, but she was, like, in an episode, I saw that. Huh. Um, so, because they were, like, noted trivia. They were yeah. both in Quantum Leap. <laughs> yeah, and the and the singing voice was um, Lindsay Ridgway, who was Corey Matthews' little sister on Boy Meets World, which I knew... I don't know if Matt cared about that or if Frank cared about that. I, I did not know that. No. Sounds like someone's killing a dog in my hallway. It does. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't think anyone is. We we live in sad New York apartments. <laughs> so, obviously, Darla Dimple is doing nothing of the sort. <laughs> Obvi- I think what Matt means to say is that obviously Darla Dimple is not being honest in her promises to help Danny. So she invites... All the big execs, and uh, including LB Mammoth, and um, all the animals are all excited, and they put on a big dance number. I, they I think, kind of forget the song. They think they're going to do a dance number for Darla's movie, using Darla's sets from the Noah's Ark movie that we discussed, Little Archangel. Right. They think they're going to perform that for all the execs and the directors at this big Hollywood press conference. But what Darla's plan really is, is to put on her purple cloak of evil (laughs) and start climbing rafters and, like, messing with knobs and shit and basically flooding the studio. Right. Everyone gets wet. There's a kind of long sequence where they're, like... I felt like this was long. Like, over long. It felt a little bit like padding uh, of them just sort of, like, riding a big, giant wave of water around. Yeah. The pacing gets weird at the end. I agree. They're basically in the Noah's Ark um, set, like, prop, and Darla floods the studio, and suddenly they spend, like, a good at least three minutes, which feels like a long time in a 75-minute movie, Yeah, yeah. Um, riding this flood wave through the studio, and it's basically a time for them to, like, they do their little Esther Williams bit, where they're all, like, kind of jet, like, uh, water skiing and doing choreography, and they, they just do all of these little bits throughout it that just seem long and drawn out yeah kind of extraneous yeah yeah they don't mean anything no i kind of liked when it it was padded with like slapstick and like physical comedy Mm -hmm. but sometimes there's just these yeah like these sequences i mean this movie again barely qualifies for like a feature length it's like 75 minutes and a decent number of those minutes is clearly like yeah our story is maybe worth 60 minutes uh and we just need these extra 15 to qualify so that people will like pay a ticket and go to a theater it almost makes me feel like this story could have been told over the course of six weeks through different shorts 
in the Animaniacs? Yes. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, just break it up, and, like, every every week, the cats do something new. It would have been funnier with, like, Yago Wacko and Dot's commentary. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah, I like the movie, That's, like, fine. a postmodern show now, though. Like, we're in, like, a new era. When, when did that come out? That's, Early 90s? Yeah, that well, started the same in, time, right, I guess? Yeah, no, they were, co- they were definitely co-current. That's why I'm saying, like, I feel like they're both Warner Brothers. Oh, yeah. They lived in the water tower. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Like, yeah, the I feel hell? like... <laughs> Why didn't this happen? I don't know. Maybe we just fixed it. I don't know. I just tried to... Guys, I just tried to Google when Animaniacs started, and I started typing in Animaniacs, and the thing that came up in my Google search bar was Anime Nazi. Mm. So that just tells you what the times that we're in. Anyway, Animaniacs started... Uh, debuted in 1993, So and it ran until 1998. So there would have been plenty of time in this... They were firmly established. Yeah, they totally could have done that. I... It just seems like it would have worked a little... That It wouldn't have had to be drawn out to 75 minutes. No. Yeah. But then they wouldn't have had a movie. I mean, I mean, Scott Bakula couldn't sing. Yeah, it would have been smarter as an Animaniacs short. Yeah. And it would have fit in well there. Like, they were doing some kind of subversive stuff over there. Yeah. yeah. Fingering Prince. Fingering Prince. <laughs> <laughs> just the first one that comes to mind. That's not the only thing they did that was subversive, but... It's the one that goes around Tumblr. Oh, so good. Yeah. Um, so we got to this point. Now we're at the narrative. Danny's disillusioned. He decides to go home. To Kokomo. To Kokomo. Right down in Kokomo. <laughs> is, there, is that the song? Bermuda, Bahama. Oh. Oh, I Bahama. really wanna? Oh, I yeah. really... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 Sawyer sings one of her songs for, I think, the first time. It's real long and real disjointed. It's very strange because Jasmine Guy and Nina Simone do not... Nina Simone. Uh, <laughs> Nellie Cole. Oh my god, imagine. <laughs> Nina Simone is there. No. Nina Simone is not in this movie. <laughs> Raven knows that. <laughs> I've done that twice. Natalie Cole. R.I.P. Nat King Cole. That's her dad. Huh? You know that, right? I'm sorry. Wait, do you know that? No, I did not. Damn it. Well, you've learned something new. (laughs) Kendra doesn't have a heart attack. Damn it. I did another one of those things I do. (laughs) Wait, really? You didn't know that? I had no idea. Unforgettable? They They did did the duet together? It was kind of spooky, actually. They did like a hologram, Nat King Cole, and then like Natalie sang. That's not a song you should sing with your dad. No, No, it's weird. (laughs) It's fucking weird. She did a hologram song with her dad? Yeah, and yeah. it's a love song, so it's extremely weird. <laughs> Your face. Oh, so I'm, I'm not I'm learning it. so much really rapidly. <laughs> okay. Yes. Never mind. So Natalie yeah. Cole, though. Sorry. Natalie Cole and Jasmine Guy have very different voices. And originally the voice actress was going to be someone else. Um, but I don't actually know who it is. But we can <laughs> find that real right quick. now. Yeah. But they don't. Natalie has this very, like, at least the way she's playing it here, has a very deep, soulful voice, whereas Jasmine Guy is just doing her kind of normal, like... Yeah, it goes down, like, several registers. (laughs) Yes. It's not seamless. Nancy Giles is who was originally supposed to be, and they animated it to her performance. Mm Mm-hmm. And And Nancy Giles and Jazz... And Nat... I'm about to say fucking... (laughs) 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 Jesus. And Natalie Cole. I don't know why. <laughs> like Nina Simone will be in Cats Don't Dance. <laughs> oh, hey, Nancy Giles went to Oberlin, my alma mater. Whoa. Yeah. What else has she been in? The Fresh Prince of Bel Air. 
Okay. Um, she's a 60 Minutes correspondent. Sawyer is singing a song in the rain, and uh, <laughs> she's sad. She's obviously, at this point, learned to sort of love Danny. <laughs> because she... After they've known each other for, because Danny is keeping a timeline, by yeah. the way, during this movie, like, of three days. One... So they've known each other for... 70, not even 72 hours at this like point. Like a day and a half, maybe? Yeah. Maybe. Uh, yeah, so, you know, we gotta move this along. It's a regular movie, so she's in love. But she's sad, she's melancholy, she's like, ah, Hollywood, it crushes all of our spirits, doesn't it? Even even the newest of us. And then uh, Danny's in a bus. The only One of the only notes I wrote down was that the bus driver, who's human... And white. And white. Uh is just eating a sandwich and there's a lot of mustard on it and it's very gross. I didn't like it. (laughs) The mustard looked really loose and it was sort of like spraying out of the sandwich. I did not notice this. I didn't notice this at all. Chill out with that, guys. Okay? That's all I have to say to Warner Brothers. (laughs) (laughs) Big sloppy mustard sandwich. I didn't like it. (laughs) It's weird how this song talks about how like downtrodden they are and, and how Hollywood crushes dreams and yet never, still does not completely acknowledge that what they're talking about here is segregation. Nope. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like, again, they're, they're, they're trying to have it both ways, yeah. right? I mean, probably. Like, nothing so intense was probably desired to be addressed as, like, race in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. But they also probably did want to get that as a message as well. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's there's interesting things to me because, like, there are signs that they clearly know what they're talking about. Like, when they... There's an elephant because instead of a lion, because it's a parody, obviously, of MGM, so instead of the roaring lion, they have the braying elephant. Right. And so they Trumpeting. Meet, trumpet. Sorry, you're right. Elephants trumpet. They don't bray. <laughs> um, nice. Score one for Matt. Okay. <laughs> no, you are so right on that. But so they meet the elephant who does the, the trumpeting at the beginning of all the movies... And they, he's like, they make me put on these tusks um, every time. And I was like, oh, it's like the tropical makeup that they would like make Joan Crawford put on for, if you can ever look up, if you just type Joan Crawford tropical makeup in on YouTube, it's a delight. Just do it. Um, but it's, it's basically. <laughs> and she shows up as a caricature at the end. Yeah. But basically what I'm trying to say is like, I, you recognize things like the tusks as like a symbol of like blackface as a symbol of, no, Whoa. seriously. No, no, yeah. Like as hiring like white people to be natives. I'm putting that in quotation marks. And so they're giving those clues throughout the movie, but then they still never like directly acknowledge that that's what they're trying to talk about they here. definitely shy away from it yeah well even like the the other language that kind of drives at home was the gross sandwich eating bus driver who's like you know like potentially representative of like the like more coarse like working class kind of like description of it where it's just like yeah like bunch of i heard a bunch of animals went and tried to like do a musical like and they got shut down i'm glad like Animals need to know their place. Like, they should just go back to where they came from. Like, he just uses all of that language to describe I almost their just, little jazz party that they had. It's I almost just up. translated that into what it would really be and realized that Matt would be real uncomfortable. <laughs> no, I don't care. I just don't know what kind of level you want to go to on oh, I was a, about, a 90s kids podcast. I was about to go deep, and I just I decided not to. It, I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We get it, I think. Yeah, Hopefully, think, people understand. I mean, I, I think we know what animals was standing in for there. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but that was like that was like the that was like the one time it was like, wow, this is really like 
going up to the edge of that, like, the closest that I've seen the whole time. Because, again, you have plausible deniability with, like, you know, peng- fat penguins and cats <laughs> and shit. Like, you can just be like, it's just cats. It's why, like, sci-fi gets away with it, too, a ton. Like, mm-hmm. they do, like, that kind of race issue, but they just have aliens. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's why the X-Men has been the X-Men for so long. Yes. Yeah. That's why you can have the Ferengi and not go, Jews! You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that always... They always gets awkward, though, because then you'll have, like, mutie is a bad word, just like this slur, and yeah. that slur, and I'm like, whoa, Kitty Pride, calm yeah. down. Yes, yeah. just break out the N-word. Mutie and Jap are not the same thing. No. <laughs> And I just like there's like it's like the N word and like giant like block caps yeah. in this panel. I'm like, thanks guys. Yeah. Well, it's also just like well with the Ferengi specifically, like DS9, I think tries to get away with it by also having the Bajoran people who are the ones who are like subjugated under the more like Nazi-ish, not Nazi-ish Kardashians. Right, I was about to say Kardashians. <laughs> I really was. People have already made that joke. Yeah. No, I have a shirt with that joke on it. But so you get away with having the Ferengi, who are clearly coded as Jewish, and it's kind of uncomfortable, um, by having this other group who are like put in work camps and like really beat upon. So it's like, which ones are the Jews? Are these the Jews? Are these... Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you have to, like, start parsing it in ways that make it harder And then you're to like, really... it's just aliens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You have to parse it in not. ways that make it harder to pin it on just one. Anyway. Yeah, that's one tactic. Yeah. But this movie, again, is 75 minutes long, and it's supposed to just be a sort of a heartfelt, like, all-American musical about a small-town boy. Right. Just a small-town girl. Boy. <laughs> uh, um, raised in South Detroit. Yeah. Kokomo, Indiana. And Same thing. He sort of breaks through the shell of cynicism mm-hmm. with his attitude. Yeah. And he has a change of heart because it seemed weirdly, he seemed weirdly easily discouraged because the movie was so short, still pretty short, and he'd already given up. I think the timeline really kind of, like, giving him only three days to, like, win over Hollywood was kind of, like, come on. Yeah. He needs so he gave months. He, he gave up, like, on, on day two. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, if you kept track, yeah. Like, he just, like, didn't get the biggest movie of his life and decided to go back home. And it's kind of, like, weak. But he doesn't because he's unbeatable. Uh, and he comes back and decides to kind of, like, prank Darla Dimples. At her world premiere. Her, her the arc, little Archangel world premiere. Yeah. And so then you have your, like, pretty predictable, like, first he has to beat Max. Who? Right. There's the big Max battle. Yeah. Pretty fun. Again, every time Max is on screen, so I love good. It. It's great. Yeah. I love how he moves. <laughs> I love how he punches through the roof of the building and... He was so weirdly animated, but like in a good way. No, it's great. He's like the Iron Giant if the Iron Giant was a person. And evil. And evil. And not forced to be evil by his creators against his will in a way that's tragic and always makes me sad. The Russians. Yeah. (sighs) (laughs) He beats Max. They fight on a big balloon of Darla Dimple, which Danny pops, and it goes, and just, like, flies away. (laughs) Eventually into Paris, in a nice joke about how far away he went. (laughs) (laughs) So he's, like, closer to home. Yeah, he's in Europe. He's in continental he can, Europe, at least. He can get back home before World War II really starts. <laughs> right, and he'll be good right on those front lines, you know? Yeah. Because he's strong. He'd be great. 
And he seems like he could fight for the supposed right side over there, you know. Wait, what do you mean? He seems like he could be a Nazi. Jesus <laughs> No, I mean, he's like protecting. Are you kidding me? He's clearly, if you're looking at the animals as people as, co- as people of color, and he's like stomping all over them. Okay, but the casual, he could be a Nazi. Was he could be a Nazi. He was defending a small, blue-eyed, blonde-haired child. He was defending an Aryan <laughs> child. The picture of the Aryan race. <laughs> Yes, yeah, a fat little coddled girl. <laughs> so if he just gets back home in time, like, I'm sure it's going to be fine. Well, I hope that balloon keeps going. He's like this drawn out, like, what, like, yes, Miss Dimple, or something Miss Dimple, where he's like, like, kind of like, as he's like going over Paris, like, it's just great. <laughs> he's like, we, we, he just, some stupid French joke where he says something in French instead of English. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Yeah, Miss Dimple. Uh, and then, and then Danny's plan is because he's again because he's like got faith in his friends he's the undefeatable optimist uh his plan is that after the movie's over he'll just kind of like crash the thing and get up on stage and say i'm gonna do a musical number for you and then like i guess guilt his friends onto coming on stage and well they all say that they're behind him though like they're like before no at at the when they're on the stage, like, we're with you, Danny. Go tell them what you want to do. Not the one... Not the are ones they? in the audience, right? Oh, not... No, but on the they, ones on stage with him, though, are. Yeah. Like, I remember the hippo specifically. Like, the hippo and and um, Sawyer are both, like... Tilly? Yeah, Tilly. Tilly yeah. the hippo? Tilly, Tilly the hippo. Tilly yeah. the hippo's great. I like her. Kathy... Uh, Kathy the Jimmy. I believe. Yeah? Yeah. Uh... But no, it's true. It's real. But yeah, so they're all like all behind him and they put on their show finally. And it's great. And the extra fun, which I thought was actually pretty funny, was that Darla Dimple in her attempts to thwart it and make it shitty and destroy it ends up making it spectacular. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Darla. Yeah, she like tries to like shoot fireworks at it, but then it just looks glorious. And she like (laughs) makes all this cool, these cool set design things come in and... They're on that share boat at one point, like, uh, and and it brings the house down, and they and they've proven, in front of the people that matter, LB Mammoth, LB Mammoth, yeah, white magnates, uh, <laughs> that animals can indeed be uh, talented and entertaining and deserving of an opportunity in Hollywood. It's light colored people, yeah, <laughs> yes, it's their cabin in the sky. Oh, I love oh. Cabin in the Sky. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love uh, Cabin in the Sky. It's fantastic. It's their stormy weather. Also a good one. It's great. It, aside from the fact that Bill Robinson was never in a million years going to get with Lena Horne. No. He was 30 years older than her. And Lena Horne was, like, radiant. Radiant. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't even keep up with her in the, in the um, cakewalk. Like... What the fuck were they trying to get us to believe? Okay, sorry. That, okay, <laughs> that's have, never seen stormy know. weather. I'm here to learn. There are, <laughs> okay, long story short, there are like two black, all black musicals, really, from this era. Cabin in the Sky. Cabin oh. in the Sky and Stormy Weather. Later, you did have Cleopatra Jones, but that was in the color era in the 50s. So, okay. I mean, it counts, but it's also a little Carmen Jones? Carmen Jones, yeah. Yes. Sorry. Did I say Cleopatra Jones? Were you thinking of Cleopatra, that show? 
I don't. I don't know what I was. Thinking I was thinking. Of. I, honestly, maybe this is racist. But I was, were you thinking of Foxy Cleopatra from the Austin Powers? Movie? It was all probably blending together. Okay, but okay. yeah, Carmen Jones starring Dorothy Dandridge in the fifties with um, Harry Belafonte is also an all black musical. I think it's all. Are there white people in that? Um, I think there's like white extras. Okay. Yeah. I, I watched her recently enough that there's like in the boxing scenes, there's like white people around. They don't count. They're unnecessary. Um, <laughs> the extraneous whites. <laughs> I mean, most of the white people in my life are extraneous. Matt's face. <laughs> I have a oh shit, I have a white boyfriend. I'm sorry. <laughs> Matt's face. <laughs> nah. <laughs> John, you're not extraneous. Ooh, called him out. <laughs> called him out by name. Anyway. <laughs> what was the point of that? Just uh, naming, you were, I think you were just trying we were to just shout try- out some black musicals. Well, we were trying to like, we just it was their Cabin in the Sky about. moment. Right, it was, they yeah, sorry. LB Mammoth. Yeah, and it and was their Cabin in the Sky moment. And she does have a boyfriend named John, which is something we else we learned slowly. <laughs> Stop saying his name. And that's the end of the movie. Like that's pretty it. much. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they succeeded. Type seventy five. I mean, there's a bunch of parody posters. There are. Yeah. yeah. Which is one of the better things. It kind of reminded me of the end of um, Jump uh, Twenty Two Jump Street. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and there were some good ones, but that's where they started to reference stuff that was obviously contemporary. Like already made too. Like te- when the turtle was in. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Also, Tilly the Hippopotamus. Free Tilly. Free Willy parody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> A movie we have watched. Yeah. Cranston Goat was in The Mask. Oh, I thought he was in Casablanca. He was in a bu- He was in also oh, okay. Goat, but he was he was in The Mask, which I thought was really funny. Cranston Goat is Humphrey Bogart. That, yeah. The Mask was... They referenced Batman and Robin. The... Did they? Yeah. They... Yeah. The Schumacher one? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, 1997. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. So, little mm-hmm. nods of the hat that I, I, I appreciated and liked. The Mask was one of my favorite movies as a child. It was also one of my favorite movies. Did you have a crush on Jim Carrey? Because I had a crush on Jim Carrey. I'm not going to admit that on... <laughs> <laughs> Please wait. Okay. It sounds like you do, though. Yeah. You, you can't just... Yeah, now we're just going to assume that you do. Don't. <laughs> I had so- come on, you had a crush on Jim Carrey. Ray had a big old crush <laughs> on Jim Carrey. Uh, he's I, handsome. He's not, I mean, not He's not really. ugly. Yeah, he's not ugly. And I think it was just like, <laughs> back then, I was only allowed to watch so much. And so I just glommed on to whatever I happened to see on the television. Shall we rate this guy? Yeah, let's, um, let's go to break really quickly. Okay. You, do you agree with that? Yeah, what? Okay. So we're going to break really quickly, and then when we come back, we'll do our ratings, and uh, we'll be out of here kind of shortly. Shortly. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Hey, welcome back. Um, Welcome back to the kids' table. We're here to kind of wrap it up, and we're going to do our ratings for Cats Don't Dance. Um, In case you've forgotten, what we do for our ratings is we do them as we would have ranked them as children. So in this case, as we would have ranked them in 1997. Um, And then as we would have ranked them, as we did rank them, watching it as an adult. Uh, So we do a scale of one through five. And like I've mentioned before, one day I'm going to 
actually catalog the rankings we've given all of them so that I can hold Matt accountable for his terrible opinions. We'll do an aggregate means thing and figure out, yeah. We'll figure out why Matt thinks Super Mario Brothers is as good of a movie as The Prince of Egypt. What? Yes! (laughs) Based on the numbers, you're right. I will have to one day account for myself. (laughs) Ray, please begin. Sure. So as a child, I'd probably give this five out of five stars. Yeah. I was like eight in 1997, and I would have loved every minute of this. I actually did love every minute of this. I don't know why I said I did watch it in 1997. It was great. Um, as an adult, three out of five stars. Um, it, it was cute. It was fun. I liked it a lot, but not enough to be like, I love this movie. Or, yeah. Yeah, our top, just so that you're aware, our top movie right now of what we've watched, Prince of Egypt, bottom, The Ladybugs. I don't even know what the ladybugs is. Yeah, good. You're fine. <laughs> yeah. You're good. You're all set. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so as a child, I can definitely say I would have given this a five out of five. Uh, this was right in my wheelhouse. Loved MGM, loved old musicals. Uh, and my mom knew that when she showed that to me. So when she showed this to me, my gosh, I'm getting my tenses all, all rolled up here. Uh, so yeah, definitely a five out of five. As an adult, uh, just considering what I what I believe now about like why we should just make movies about segregation and racism for children starring actual humans instead of uh, animal or other unsentient allegories. Mutants, vampires. All those things. Aliens. Mutants, vampires, aliens, werewolves. Werewolves especially. Werewolves is really bad. (laughs) J.K. Rowling, if you're listening. Um... (laughs) But yeah, so just given my thoughts about that, like, I can't rank it as high, but I still found it to be an enjoyable movie. It was certainly better than Super Mario Brothers and Ernest Scared Stupid. So I would give this, I would give this as an adult, um, a 3.5 out of 5. Really enjoyed it. I enjoyed my time watching it. It helped me do my taxes. Matt, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'm going to sort of just echo what you guys have been saying. I, I don't know if I would give this the... I would give this like a 4, maybe 4.5 as a kid. Like, I, I, I think I saw it like once or maybe twice, like one of those times by accident. Uh, just sort of like being placated as a child. Uh, but the animation's really great. I do very distinctly remember Darla Dimple. I think she's like the most memorable. And Max, like I think that's like an amazing antagonist duo. Um, and it's really funny. Uh, I watched it again. I did laugh. I would give this sort of, like, this movie now, in retrospect, for a lot of people, I think, has, like, it has a very, like, solid middle-of-the-road rating. It's, like, a 5 to 6 percent, you know, or, like, 50 to 60 percent. Um, specifically for jokes like this, which I cannot stop before I say it. (laughs) There's a fish. There's, like, an old woman fish. Uh, She's, like, in the Eartha kit of her time. Yeah, she's smoking a cigarette in a big, long cigarette holder, uh, and she says she's tired uh, of working for scale. (laughs) (laughs) There's stuff like that all over the place. It's pretty good. It's a good script. It's a good punny script. And I think... And it's quick. It slaps, you know? It goes. And I think that's something that Warner Brothers was genuinely good at. Like, when you look at Animaniacs and you look at Tiny Toon Adventures, like, they genuinely had that in mind. Yeah, dialogue was good, and um, so yeah, 3, 3.5, I don't really know how to land, but show your kids this movie, it's solid. Yeah, I'd say show this, show your kids this movie before Zootopia, which I haven't seen, but you know. 
It's a good lead up to Zootopia. Okay. See, for me, it's a good lead up to Singing in the Rain. Also a good lead up to that. <laughs> Singing in the Rain is a much better movie. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's great. Um, yeah, so that was Cats Don't Dance. <laughs> um, I hope you guys enjoyed that. I don't know. Well, no. You know what? What? Just a new episode will come out next week. Yeah! <laughs> yeah! Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think for our future plans, like, just so that you can keep abreast and do a little bit of the homework, we did not announce Cats Don't Dance in Advance because we let our guests choose the movie. But I still do promise that we are going to be watching Beauty and the Beast very soon. So you can watch that. That should not be a hardship. For anyone no. to watch and, and these these podcasts are indeed companion pieces like i've said before like we do not exhaustively discuss the film we do not try and give you a comprehensive idea of what it is so yeah yeah well i mean my whole point with there was just like so yeah you can watch 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 beauty and the beast, watch beauty and the beast. Yeah. um that's the only one that i can really think of that i think we're going to be doing coming up ray you got anything to plug oh i'm sorry watch rookie of the year oh yeah because we're going to be doing that one before baseball season officially starts that's right yeah okay now do i have anything i don't have anything to plug yet nah no no okay where can we okay where can we find you on the twitters at bat signals okay see there you go b-a-t-s-i-g-n-a-l-s great (laughs) that's at bat signals matt where can we find you on the internet uh i do a webcomic i publish it a page every Tuesday, uh, trickscomic.tumblr.com. It's really great, guys. You should check it out. Because he doesn't like to talk about it, but it's, you know, he puts a lot of effort in. He does all the lines and the shading and the and the stenciling and the, and the lettering. It's all, it's all that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as for me, you can find me on Twitter at Kendra James underscore. I'm also doing um, a reading, Bad Advice from Bad Women, on April 20th at the Green Light in Brooklyn. So you can find me there too. Uh, the most recent thing that I have wrote is called The Terrifying Truth About White Women, and it's on Cosmo. Um, I might be writing something about Iron Fist over the next coming days, so you might want to be on the lookout for that. But other than that, it's just Twitter. And basically, uh, Matt, is there anything else that you would like to say? You got any other news? No? Do you have a video you would like to promote that you star in? Uh, sure. I am (laughs) in a fake Nook commercial, (laughs) which someone has pointed out is like eight years too late. But that's part of the joke, dude. Uh, So anyway, that's on YouTube at Patrick H. Willems. Yeah, if you search for user Patrick H. Willems, you will find that. It's called We Made a Nook Commercial. <laughs> it's good. It's fun. Matt wears Jinkos. So, uh... I do wear Jinko jeans that we bought for 25 bucks from a man from Arizona, <laughs> which were decidedly pre-used. Which you could oh. feel. Oh. I could feel it. Was there, oh, no. Was there jizz in the crotch? Oh, come on, dude. No, there was no jizz on the crotch. <laughs> Just that, just that Arizona dust. <laughs> okay. Um, thanks for thanks so much for listening, guys. Um, remember that you can send in any questions that you have to kidstablepod at gmail.com, or you can just tweet at us, which is even simpler. And you can tweet at, tweet at us 
at kids table pod on twitter it's super easy um and i guess that's it matt do you have a goodbye this week just see you next week and thank you ray thanks for having me thanks guys that was fun bye bye